all during the pandemic, I had two lines from a German poem going around in my head. Aber die Pest ist des Nachts gekommen mit den Elchen über das Haff geschwommen. The plague came at night swimming across the bay with the moose. It's from a poem that uh, describes the, uh, an East uh, Prussian village that was destroyed, wiped out by the plague in 1709. I heard this poem as I hear many other poems in my father's voice, because when I was little, on Sunday mornings, I got to get, uh, got to go to, to dad in, in, in dad's bed, join him in bed, and he would recite poetry uh, to me from memory, lots of poems, and most of them were historical calamities. The calamity of my childhood was not the plague, but the war. In German, Krieg. And that's a word that I knew well because I'd been told many times that the three uncles I should have had but didn't were killed in World War I. But the word took on an altogether different meaning when uh, dad had to go to war. In 39, I was not even five years old. And so that was some devastating news, but at the same time, it was very exciting when mother and I got to go with him to Dresden, where he had to report for duty. And after we had said goodbye to dad, Mother took me to the zoo. <laughs> I was barely five years old, and so you can imagine that that was some experience. Of course, I'd never been to the zoo. And so the image of the monkeys in their cage is still up here, uh, more so than the farewell uh, uh, to dad. Um, Overall, uh, though, my childhood was a happy one in spite of the war because we lived in the country in a village where bombs didn't rain down on us and we had a garden and chickens which uh, supplemented the food we got on, on the ration cards. Best of all, Dad had been injured as a young man, had a limp, and was deemed unfit for duty at the front. So he did his service in the, um, now I can't remember the word. Um, anyway, he was in charge of, of uh, food for the soldiers, food for the troops, which meant that for part of the time, he was stationed fairly close to home and so he could come home on weekends and at holidays, which was pretty special. Most best of all, oh, and, and sometimes he would come uh, unannounced. I will never, never 
be so excited and so happy as when I saw or realized that this man waving to me from the street below was dead. I went screaming through the house. Der Fadi kommt, der Fadi kommt, dad is coming, dad is coming. Best of all, the first five Christmases during the war, dad was home. That was very special because many of my classmates would talk about how sad it was to spend Christmas without dad. Well, you know, we aren't always appreciative of what we've got, particularly as children. We kind of think, well, they have something I don't have. And so I was kind of curious what it would be like Christmas without dad. Well, I got to find out in 1944, and what a bummer. <laughs> what a bummer, no dad, no tree. Of course, there was an advent race. That's customary in, in Germany. And normally, uh, while the gifts are spread under the tree, um, not wrapped, um, mother had seen to it that there were some gifts around the advent wreath and there were some edible goodies as well. So when I got into that Christmas room, as we called it, I scoped the room and saw that leaning against the table was a pair of skis. They had to be for me because that's what I had made known I wanted. So Christmas was saved to that extent. And several days later, I found myself on that big hill east of the village, and I was looking very much forward to zooming down. Oddly enough, even though I had a reputation of being an Angsthase, which is a German scaredy cat, um, I, I wasn't afraid at all. I, I was just sure I could zoom right down. Well, bummer again. <laughs> that ski did not want to glide. It just... I couldn't. To this day, I, I can't fathom how I got down to the bottom, but obviously I did. <laughs> then I discovered that uh, this one ski was broken under the binding. These were old wooden skis, of course. So the brake, B-R-E-A-K, had functioned as a B-R-A-K-E brake. <laughs> My prized gift kaput, <laughs> dead gone. And lo and behold, things got worse. Because very few weeks thereafter, well, maybe months, the American troops had gotten to our part of the country and started shelling the village. 
But what was worse was that uh, there were streams of refugees coming from the East uh, telling pretty terrible stories of atrocities that the Red Army had committed. So we were hoping very strongly that the Americans would finally get a move on and come and occupy us and, and save us from the Russians. Well, no such luck because FDR and Stalin had decided that all of Saxony would be Russian-occupied territory. We were fortunate, however, that the American army had occupied Leipzig, the biggest Saxon city in which my, husband, uh, my father was stationed at the time. And when they retreated to the west, they took him with him which was uh, very fortunate because if he had ended up in Siberia, we would probably not ever have seen him again. As it was, it just took months before we found out that he was even alive. But anyway, he was. We found that out eventually. And um, at the end of 1945, in November, we were told that our property was expropriated, and so that kind of tore up the family. But one by one, eventually, we made it to the West. So in 1949, we had a reunion of all six of us. Prior to that, however, my oldest sister, with whom I was then living in our village, and I crossed the so-called green border between the two Germanys, which was at that point not yet fortified, so we just walked through the woods uh, to get to the other side to visit mother. And while we were there, the three of us uh, got a permit to visit dad for two hours in the POW camp. And that's where I made the acquaintance of American cuisine <laughs> in, in the form of my dad's breakfast. This was unseasoned cornmeal mush. <laughs> I was not impressed. <laughs> um, but very grateful, you know, food wasn't that, I mean, I'd been raised to eat what's on your plate, and so I ate it all and thanked Dad profusely because he had sacrificed his, his breakfast for me. And it didn't kill my, my appetite for things American. <laughs> I very much wanted to um, maybe get to America sometime and study. And in 1957, I got that chance by winning the first foreign student scholarship financed by the Associated Students of the University of Alaska. And you know, at that point, of course, there was only the one and only UA in college, Alaska. So in September, 
1957, I uh, landed in Fairbanks. And within very few weeks, I don't remember exactly the date, um, I met this very good-looking, tall Midwesterner <laughs> in the chow line who proceeded at various uh, occasions to, to, to tell me about his German grandpa. And I wasn't impressed because the only grandpas I knew were all German. <laughs> so, you know, that was nothing special, but to him it obviously was. And I think to him it also was special that I was German. And so, even though I told him that I had promised my parents I'd go come home after a year, he wouldn't take no for an answer. <laughs> so I finally gave in and in 1960 married him. <laughs> Thank you, yes, and it lasted 60 years. In 1966, I accepted a teaching position at AMU, now APU, and a friend and neighbor thought that I needed more exercise and uh, suggested I learn to ski. <laughs> So I signed up for Jim Mahaffey's cross-country skiing class and together with my friend explored the AMU ski trails. I even managed to zoom down <laughs> modest hills. <laughs> the skis, which were of course of fiber class instead of wood, did not break. <laughs> Shakespeare was right. Ende gut, alles gut. All's well that ends well. Thank you.